0: To all supernatural scrutineers and paranormal postulants, I bid you welcome. You are about to listen to the Occultaria of Albion audio tales. What is the Occultaria of Albion, you inquire? Is it a hauntological exploration of strange phenomena? Is it a world where the abnormal and arcane exist in abundance? The answer to these questions is yes and yes explore our publications and other material by going to occulteriaofalbion.com now lie back and relax if you can <laughs> Terrier of Albion Audio Tales The Contactee The main Plaza of the campus was ferociously hot in the June sunshine. Its concrete had become desiccated and bone pale, while the greenery of the stone planters in the centre were yellowed and drooping. What students remained at Linsedge University stayed in the cool of the shaded colonnade as they wandered slowly toward the library or the refectory or to the grey-bricked hexagon of the lecture theatre building, perpetually chilly in winter but now pleasantly cool. Everyone had an unhurried sanguinity to their movements and, despite the academic year having ended some weeks before, the summer timetable of conferences and symposia and barbecues was in full swing. To a casual observer, Dr Brinsley Corncrake looked just like another academic, one of Linsedge's own lecturers or perhaps a visitor from another institution. He clutched his tweed jacket in his slender hand as he leant against a concrete pillar of the colonnade. From an office somewhere above, a radio was playing. There was a news report about the latest developments in the USSR. It would seem that nothing now could prevent the disintegration of the Soviet state. Dr Corncrate reflected that it was going to be quite a momentous time for humanity. He took a handkerchief from his pocket and wiped out his shaggy grey hair stuck to his forehead with perspiration. He removed his glasses and gave them a wipe also. When he returned them to the bridge of his nose, he noticed a young woman stood in front of him. She was looking at him with a frown. Are you Dr. Corncrake? she asked. Certainly, he replied, and you must be Libby Weaver. She smiled nervously and nodded. I'm glad to meet you, he told her, swinging his jacket over his shoulder. If you would like to follow me, we can go down to my office. You'll find it pleasantly cool in there. He began to lead the way. Libby walked alongside the professor, nervously playing with the single blonde dreadlock which sprouted from behind her right ear. She twiddled at the large bead on the end of it. Dr Corncrate led the way down some stairs and through a doorway, which appeared to bring them out into a service area in the bowels of the campus. The sudden transition to shade gave Libby red spots before her eyes. On the phone, she told him, it sounded like you had a real understanding of this sort of experience. I think your research must be important." Corncrake smiled. This way, he said, gesturing toward another door a little further past a shipping container used by the university's maintenance department. Is this really the only way to get to your office? Libby asked, stopping. I have been relocated, he quickly explained. This is my temporary home for the summer until my new office is ready. There is another way to get here, but I must confess I find the campus confusingly labyrinthine at the best of times. Libby nodded and continued. In a moment she was led into a corridor via a fire exit and then into a small room with empty shelves and an olive-coloured carpet peppered with indentations where once was furniture. All the furniture the room had now was an orange filing cabinet in one corner, a small desk and two chairs. "'I've not had all my things brought down yet,' Corncrake smiled, "'interpreting the look on Libby Weaver's face "'as a mixture of mixed and disenchantment. "'Please, take a seat.' "'She sat. "'Dr. Corncrake hung his jacket on the back of his chair "'and sat down opposite her. "'Your appearance is quite uncommon,' he said with a chuckle. "'Libby laughed. "'I haven't heard it put like that before.' "'She tucked her to dreadlock behind her ear and tried to relax. "'I think it refreshing.' Craig said. It's a sort of evolution of the 60s counterculture movement, but with a fin de siècle decay which unifies both hedonism and pessimism into a whole. I particularly like your purple trousers. She laughed again. (laughs) Never have swum with the crowd. I'm just being me, she shrugged. Which is precisely why we are here. He opened one of the drawers and brought out something which looked like a cross between a desk lamp and a transistor radio. ''You know,'' she said, desperately wanting to smoke one of her roll-ups, ''I've hardly ever spoken about my experience. People think I'm crazy enough as it is, without my going on about UFOs. So, I won't know how to speak of it. Maybe I won't be able to explain things properly.'' She looked about the dusty office. ''I don't know what I'm doing here,'' she blurted, and retrieved the pouch of tobacco from a Moroccan shoulder bag. She began to make a cigarette, feeling embarrassed. Corncrake watched her and said nothing.'' but registered her emotions. It's all right, he said eventually, as Libby agitatedly pinched at the tobacco she had pulled onto the white rectangle of paper. You have come here today because you seek to understand. You want there to be an answer to the ganglion of questions which have been separating within you. I have, she said, half as a question and half as confirmation. Yes, Corncrake smiled and I'm certain that I can give you those answers, or, more accurately, unlock those answers from within you. Please, do not smoke in here. Oh, I'm sorry, she said, stuffing everything back into her pocket. Quite all right. Now, try to relax. Take a few deep breaths and I will explain things in a little more detail than I did on the telephone. Libby sat back in the chair. After you responded to the advert in your local newspaper, if you recall, I sent you a questionnaire, Corncrake paused as he fished the document from his desk. Your answers were fascinating. Were there many others, she interrupted, who answered all your questions? Though it was much cooler in Corncrake's office than outside, Libby still felt hot. Her t-shirt clung to the small of her back. Corncrake continued to smile amiably. Not many, no, he replied. A few, of course. And I have colleagues scattered about the country who will be conducting their own interviews with other subjects. This is quite an extensive project, he added. Other contactees? How many interviews like this are you doing? she asked. Only you, Corncrake paused for just a moment. As I said, your story is fascinating, so I'm glad we were able to meet. Libby didn't know how to respond. It felt like the dentist was thanking the patient for letting him look into her mouth and drilling a hole in her teeth. I may be able to help alleviate some of your suffering, he said, as if he had read her mind. So, how will this work? Her eyes turned to the contraption he had placed on his desk. A form of hypnosis, he told her. Although you hold clear memories of your encounter, many contactees discover that it is their subconscious mind which holds the details and feelings that will allow you to understand the experience more fully. Libby looked from the thing on the desk to the professor. He continued to study her, a pleasant smile fixed on his face. She'd seen a couple of therapists in the past, had even been to a friend who claimed to be a white witch. They'd all had a similar energy about them, and all of them had been unable to provide lasting help for her. Libby believed she had a knack for reading auras or energies in people, but the man in front of her had nothing whatsoever. Corncrake radiated a silence that surprised her. And what do you think, Dr. Corncrake? she asked, trying to understand him. What do I think? About UFOs and abductions. What's your opinion? Are we mad or just attention seekers? I think it is more complicated than such a narrow binary choice. Humans are far more complex than that. Libby tried to place his age. Although there was the scruffy gray hair and glasses, His skin did not seem to have the lines of age that might be expected. Along with no aura, there was no ring on his finger and, of course, no photos on the desk to indicate a Mrs Corncrake or any children. I realise, he said, looking at another piece of paper, that you have already gone through some details of your experience in the questionnaire, but if you would briefly answer some further questions now, just for the record. He clicked a button on the device on his desk and an orange light came on, accompanied by a low buzzing noise. Libby assumed that it was some sort of recording function. She took a deep breath. How old are you now? He asked. Thirty. And your experience took place in 1987, is that correct? Yes, I was 27 then. Corncrake nodded. This took place on the A2358. Can you say anything about how you happened to be there?" Libby nodded. I'd been travelling in a convoy with my boyfriend and about a dozen others. We were on our way to a festival somewhere in Wiltshire. I forget the name. Anyway, it doesn't matter as I didn't get there. Rat, that was the name my boyfriend went by when he didn't want to be known as Jeremy, Rat kicked me out of his van. We hadn't been getting along and, on this particular evening, he just left me at the roadside and drove off with the others. That must have been difficult for you, Corncrake suggested. It was humiliating, but finally after three months I'd wised up and saw them all for the selfish bastards that they were. And you would have described yourself as a traveller, is that correct? Part of a group of new age travellers. Back then I suppose so, but not now. And how would you describe yourself now? Libby laughed and shrugged. (laughs) I don't know. How did you put it a moment ago? Uncommon. That's a fairly accurate description. Corncrake nodded and looked down at his notes. And you teach art, is that correct? Libby frowned. I run a class at an old people's home, if you want to call that teaching art. Corncrake looked at the woman sat in front of him and seemed to go into a daydream. It made Libby feel odd. He was looking at her, but with such blank eyes and yet she felt as if she was being assessed by him in some deep way. The machine on his desk stopped buzzing, and Corncrake appeared to come out of his trance at the same moment. Right, he said with a nod. Well, I think we'd better start on the hypnotic regression and see what's really lurking in your temporal lobe, awaiting our scalpel. Your scalpel? Yes, Dr. Corncrake said, getting out of his chair. Just my attempt at humour. This is, of course... Completely non invasive. The good old days of probes and medical examinations have been abandoned. He stood over the machine that had been buzzing and twiddled at its knobs and flicked a couple of switches. Libby wasn't sure how to respond, so forced a half laugh and a smile. I'm going to place you into a hypnotic state, very gently and carefully, of course, and then I shall take you back to the A2358 and the night of your encounter. Corncrake moved over to the dusty venetian blind which hung over the only window he tugged on its chain and closed the slats the already dim room became dimmer how long will i be out for libby asked try not to worry corncrake returned to the contraption just listen to the music and breathe deeply he pressed a button and music began to emanate from the machine it was electronic music that was both familiar, yet strange. It made Libby tingle all over, and somehow pushed her back into the chair and held her there so she could not move. ''Dark!'' was all she could manage to say. ''There are answers on the other side,'' Corncrake said. ''You will see.'' He flicked another switch, and from the top of the contraption was a beam that began to glow brighter and brighter, creating a sphere of purple light. Libby could only stare at it as the ball of light grew bigger. It felt to her as if it was carrying the music with it. Somehow, inside it, and both the sphere and the music were growing and pulsing and getting closer and closer to her, paralysed in the chair. She could no longer see Dr Corncrake, but she could hear him, his voice a whisper. All this is real, he kept repeating. All this is real, all this is Libby was standing at the roadside. The sky was nearly dark, but far away in the distance it had a purple edge with long wisps of deep orange and vermilion. Directly above her, the first stars were showing. She remembered this, but could not tell if it were a memory or if it was happening there and then, like déjà vu. What had happened? She'd been left at the roadside and her boyfriend and the others had gone and were clearly not coming back for her she had waited, then walked a little and stopped and waited. Now dusk had thickened and it would soon be night and she was beginning to feel scared of being stuck on the roadside. No cars had passed for a long time and she could see no lights from houses. All she could do was continue walking and hope that it brought her to some sort of civilization. Libby hoped it would be a late night petrol station she had a hankering to buy some scotch eggs she kept thinking of the scotch eggs she was going to eat as she trudged along the road after some minutes the noise started immediately it drowned out the sound of her footsteps the source of the noise appeared to be near some trees a little way off to her left but she could not be certain in one moment the sound was everywhere and then in the next moment It was coming from the trees again. The noise was an unearthly electronic sound that was both strange yet familiar. From the trees ahead of her came an intense purple beam of light. It began to flash skyward, slowly at first, but then faster, until it was like a strobe at a disco. Libby could not move, or rather, something in her mind told her not to. She stood, motionless, and watched as the purple light flashed. Then, the source of the light appeared. A thing, which Libby could only describe as a spacecraft, just like ones from TV and films she'd seen, rose from behind the canopy of trees. The craft was metallic and circular and had a domed top from where the light was coming. Libby wanted to run, but couldn't. Her mind refused to engage her body. In her head, cutting through the noise all about her, came a voice. Do not worry, it told her. You will not be harmed. The object in the sky came closer. It travelled slowly along the road, but floating 50 feet above the tarmac, until it came to a stop and remained hovering a little way ahead of Libby. She could only gaze at it while the message in her mind was repeated. Do not worry, you will not be harmed. The craft seemed to stare at her. The noise that had been everywhere about her suddenly stopped and Libby felt a tingling sensation through her entire body. Another beam of light now emerged from beneath the UFO and spotlighted the empty road in purple. The beam began to move toward where Libby was stood and then engulfed her. Her body tingled even more and in an instant everything around her melted away. When she was a teenager, she'd had to have her appendix removed. It was the only time she'd been in hospital or had an operation under general anaesthetic. She remembered the feeling of coming round as the anaesthetic wore off. The confusion, the disjointed nature of her thoughts, the unfamiliar faces of the nurses staring down at her. It was just the same now, only worse. She lay on a bed, but the faces looking down at her were not human and she wasn't in any kind of hospital ward. A grey-skinned creature, with a pair of small cavities for a nose and two large black beads for eyes, was looking at her. We are connected, he said in a tone that Libby thought was rather matter-of-fact. Another similar-looking creature agreed with a nod of their hairless and narrow head. Her auric field has begun to stabilise, it said. Libby realised she could hear their talk, despite noticing that none of them had mouths. ''Just try to relax,'' said a third entity, somewhere out of her field of vision. She realised that she was able to control her body once again, and sat up in the bed. The two beings which had been gathered around her now quickly left, leaving only the one who had told her to relax. ''Welcome,'' they said, stepping forward. The thing wore a green robe, but it was clear that the skin of these beings was entirely grey and hairless. Libby looked at the figure stood a few feet from her, then at her surroundings. It was a room of complete whiteness. There appeared to be no other objects other than the bed she was in and the alien in front of her. The whiteness of the room had a glow to it, and it hurt her eyes if she looked too hard at it, so she kept her gaze on the creature in front of her, Its skin had the texture of an elephant or a walrus, a wrinkled grey leather. We have manipulated your theta waves so that you can remain calm and more accepting than you might normally be, the being told her. Its two large eyes blinked. This is not a dream or hallucination, in case you were wondering. The creature did not smile because there was no mouth from which to do so, but there was a warmth to the voice. My God! Libby said, suddenly realising where she'd heard the voice before. You're Corncrake, aren't you? She didn't know how she knew, but the thing in front of her was Dr. Corncrake. Libby felt certain. Is this all part of my fucking hypnosis? she asked and looked around the room again, expecting it now to look like the office she'd been sat in. The room remained white. She didn't know whether to feel angry or amused. I am Corncrake, said the figure with a gesture of his long, slender hands. And, yes, you are hypnotised, but this is not simply part of your hypnosis. You don't have a mouth, Libby said, not really understanding what was happening. Corncrake waited a moment. We are communicating in a manner you would understand as telepathically. Can I get up? she asked. It is better if you stay in the bed, Corncrake's voice remained calm. It takes some time to adjust, he added. There is a lot of information we must give you. Although we are adjusting your theta waves, you may still find what we tell you somewhat overwhelming. I don't get it, Libby confessed. Am I still in your office? Is this a memory of what happened to me? It is both. Your physical form is at the university, but your mind is here. This is a recreation of what happened to you three years ago. Concraig's eyes blinked again. But it is also happening now. Libby swung her legs round to sit on the edge of the bed. She breathed heavily. So, this really did happen. I was abducted by aliens. I sort of wondered if I'd imagined it, like a nervous breakdown or something. I didn't want it to be real, but I didn't want to be a crazy person either. But you're saying it is real? This is real? She felt dizzy. Dr Corncrake, can you wake me up now? I need some fresh air. I'm afraid I cannot, he told her. At least not immediately. Our instruments are calibrated to maintain this status for a few more minutes. I cannot change it. Libby shut her eyes tightly and tried to focus on her breathing. Dr. Corncrake, why do you look like that? Where's your mouth and your hair? He looked at her and waited. This is my true form, Libby. The corncrake you were with was just my humanoid envelope, a sheaf if you will. I don't understand what is happening, she said laying back down on the bed. I am what you would call an alien. We are from a solar system that is nearly 300 light years from Earth. Our planet shares many similarities with this world, although as you can imagine it is also vastly different. He began to walk slowly about the bed. We have been undertaking scientific expeditions to Earth for a long time. And three years ago, we made contact with you. Libby decided if she lay down, looked up at the white ceiling and only listened to the voice of the alien, then everything could feel almost normal. I sort of remember this room and you or at least someone like you, she said, but it's all just dreamlike. I knew today would be strange, she added. Corncrake stopped moving and sat at the bedside. When you were here before, your experience would have been very similar. He placed his grey slender hand upon her stomach. Open your eyes and look at me, he spoke gently. Libby, felt a warm sensation radiate from her stomach. It felt so incredibly soothing. She opened her eyes and turned her head to Corncrake. Last time we took readings from you, we took measurements, and we asked you questions about your life, Corncrake said. We analyzed responses in terms of your Alethian brain waves. We are always incredibly comprehensive in our field work. Libby tried to remember her abduction but it was all so fuzzy and indistinct. Why me? she asked. My life is a mess. Corncrake shook his head. We haven't met a human whose life isn't. Other voices in the background muttered their agreement. There was no special reason, Corncrake went on. You were chosen only because you were there, on the roadside, and we were there too, waiting for a specimen. I'm a specimen? Libby said, indignantly. Please. Corncrake increased the soothing sensation that he was applying to Libby's belly. We have little time before you will awaken and be returned. You must listen. Libby sat up and stared at him. Go on then, she said, feeling less timid. Three years have passed, he said. We have continued to monitor you during that time through a small device which was left inside you. The device is entirely harmless. And now the life of the experiment is coming to an end. It shall disintegrate and liquefy. At that moment, you will never hear from us again. Concrete paused to try and read the look on Libby's face. With all our subjects, we offer a choice, he went on. If you wish, you can come with us across the galaxy, across light years to our world. We have many things to reveal to you. You will experience no harm and no suffering with us, You mean, leave Earth? Corncrake nodded. Forever? He nodded again. If you agree, that is how it must be. But in coming with us, you will be exposed to wonders and knowledge far beyond anything you can imagine here. And you will live among us, in harmony. Your life would no longer be messy. Libby's eyes narrowed. You offer this to all your specimens? She asked. Yes, and has anyone ever taken you up on it? There have been some, you would meet them. From somewhere, a beeping alarm began to sound. Well, I can't, Libby told him, getting up from the bed. I just can't leave and never come back. How can anyone? The alarm continued to beep all around them. Of course, Corncrake said with a nod. We can open the door, but only the individual can walk through it. Another being, similar in appearance and dress to Corncrake, entered the room. Both figures communicated silently with one another. Corncrake turned back to Libby. The evaluation and your time here have come to an end. I'm going back, she asked. Corncrake did not speak. He only nodded and held up a willowy hand. Your brain waves are clear. You have chosen. The brightness of the room suddenly became more intense until everything was glowing white and colourless. Libby had to close her eyes. The alarm became louder and louder and began to change into something that sounded as if it were melting. The June sunshine was ferociously hot The security guard walked slowly over to the figure sat on the floor, leant up against the planters. He guessed it would be a summer conference student that had been enjoying the convivial atmosphere of the bar a little too much. Libby opened her eyes and looked up to see a man in a white shirt and a cap, smiling at her. He looked like a traffic warden. Are you okay, love? Libby could only murmur and groan. Her body felt like she had been turned inside out dipped in treacle and then pulled the right way round again. Come on, said the security guard, reaching out his hand and lifting her up. Let's get you to the first aid room. Do you know what conference you're here for? Her mind was scrambled. She remembered she was at the university, but the reason escaped her. As they walked across the plaza, she could see other students staring and laughing. The security guard held her arm and guided her and kept repeating that everything would be all right. I can't leave, was all Libby could manage to say. I can't leave. I have to stay. They went inside, and then they were in a room, and it was cool. It was white and had a hospital bed and a stainless steel cabinet in the corner. You just rest yourself here. The security guard sat her on the bed. What's your name? he asked. Libby Weaver, she told him. He handed her a cup of water. "'What are you doing on campus?' He couldn't smell any alcohol on her, and he began to think that perhaps it was the heat and the sun which had gotten to her. "'The campus paramedic was on their way,' he told her. "'Do you know why you're here?' he asked again. "'Corncrake,' she managed to say. "'I'm seeing Dr. Corncrake.' When the paramedic arrived, the security guard left the room. The paramedic determined there was little wrong with the patient, save for heat stroke.' Libby was given an ice pack and made to lay down on the bed. By the time the security guard returned, Libby was beginning to feel better. Thank you for helping me, she told him, her mind feeling clearer. Miss Weaver, he began, sitting in the chair next to the bed. Did you say you were here to see a Dr Corncrake? Yes, she told him. I'm meeting him to take part in a survey. The security guard frowned. "'There is no Dr Corncrake on our records, "'either as a permanent member of staff or a visiting professor. "'Are you sure the name is Corncrake?' "'I'm certain,' Libby said, not feeling certain about anything. "'I thought he was permanent, but perhaps I'm wrong. "'Perhaps he said he was visiting.' "'She took a large gulp of water. "'Visiting,' she repeated.' This audio tale was written and narrated by Richard Daniels and was a pylon phase of production. For more information, go to OcoterioAlbion.com. As yet unexplained podcast, written, performed, scored, and produced by Wesley Smith. We will be looking at some of the most famous and mysterious tales of the strange, paranormal and unexplained. If you are interested in the paranormal, then this podcast is for you. This show will delve into cases of UFOs, hauntings, folklore, murder, ghosts, historical mysteries and things that simply cannot be explained. Please consider liking, subscribing, sharing and even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. As yet, unexplained.